right, three, two, one. Hey there, everybody, and welcome to the Cinema Drip Podcast, the podcast where we need movies like we need our coffee. As always, I am Scott Lentz, here with my good friend and co-host, Christian Ubius. And Christian, normally I start off the pod by asking, you know, how are you? What's going on in your life? I'm not doing well, man. Oh, that's too bad, because I, I was going to tell you that I was going to start off anyways. But just to know, <laughs> I'll keep that in mind. I know you don't care. I was just going to tell you, I really I really do, listeners, but, you know, it's okay, Christian. But I'm just going to tell you, I'm feeling good today. And I'm feeling good today, because this I weekend... I love how I tell you that I'm not feeling good, and you just barrel over it and say, you know what? Yeah. But I'm fine. Yeah, see how you just interrupted me? I'm emotionally interrupting you. <laughs> That's what I'm going for. I'm feeling good because I finally got to see No Time to Die this weekend. And as a, as a Bond head, I've been waiting for this day for many years. So I'm, I'm feeling good, Christian. I'm excited. I'm ready to roll. Do you have any plans to see No Time to Die? I'm going tomorrow. I'm going tomorrow. Okay, there you go. You'll, you'll join me in bliss shortly. But once again, Christian, we have good news for the listeners here in that we are not alone here on this episode. We do have a third person, this time in the room with us, and we promised an L.A. musician last week. And so I now have the pleasure of inviting and welcoming on Nick Viner to the show. Nick, how are you today? I am doing well. It sounds like I'm doing better than Christian, uh, but everything's going great. Thank you for having me. I'm excited to be here. We are pumped to have you. You can go ahead and briefly just explain your, your connection to the show. How yes, you ended up on. my connection to the show. I uh, work with Christian, actually. Uh, as we, a high school math teacher? Not as a high school math teacher. Uh, at, at a job, at a, a location I will not reveal on the internet uh, right now. But uh, yes, I work with Christian. I started a job working alongside him uh, some two or three months ago. And... Uh, we have been chatting about movies ever since, so I'm excited to, to be here with you guys today. Wouldn't it be kind of great if one of our managers actually did listen? Oh yeah, and we just say some <laughs> some heinous stuff about where we work and get in trouble. It'd be, it'd be I amazing. love my job. <laughs> I don't need to clarify which job I love, I just love my job. I was going to say, you know, I mean, in, in the off chance that we have a, a growing listener base, maybe just be vague. Like, like Nick here, it's all good. It, it's good to be employed, and it's good that you two were able to meet, and now, Nick, we have you here on the yes, show, absolutely. as we get to march on in our Denis Villeneuve blend of the month. And so, obviously, if you're following along with the show, we covered Ensemble last week with Keenan Color of the Hollywood Week podcast. Now, we get to jump into Arrival. One of Denis' most successful and um, probably most liked movies in terms of opinion. I mean, outside of box office and Oscar nominations, just reviews, people's favorites. Uh, Arrival, of course, came in 2016, starred Amy Adams as a researcher, or a linguist, I should say, who is brought in to an army base camp looking to understand and communicate with aliens who have arrived on Earth, of course. So, Nick, I'll ask you first... Had you seen this movie before, or were you coming to it for the first time? I had seen this movie before. Uh, my first time watching this was actually in a high school class. Uh, what? Not, not, not as a part of the class during finals week when the school is dead and everyone's brains aren't working, and and your teachers just go, you know what? You finished the test. I'm done with you. Do your own thing. I said, you know what? I will. I fired up Amazon Prime and I watched <laughs> Arrival, and I sat in that classroom with my headphones in. 30 kids around me doing 
God knows what, and the ending melted my brain. And then <laughs> I went to third period. So it, 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 it was a, a visceral experience, and it was a fun one to revisit. Amazing. I saw this movie for the first time in the worst way possible, which is watching it on a plane on my phone. <laughs> so the second time was better. Yeah. We have a phone and a computer in school. Christian, I know this isn't the first time you've seen this movie. Uh, any, any interesting viewing experiences to share? I, I saw it in a TV in my room. There you go. The only <laughs> one. Which is how I see most movies. <laughs> like, I'm, I'm, I'm sorry. <laughs> it's okay. No no need to be sorry. I saw it on the toilet. Wait, I don't know. I mean, just if a you... really long, you know, gastrointestinal problem. Okay, yeah, interesting. Yeah, but we were able to get through Arrival. <laughs> is that what you want? You know, Christian, I was just looking for a watch on a plane, watched it in school, but sure, now if you want to watch it on the toilet, you know, I'll, I'll support your right to do that. Uh, I will say, we're talking about Denis Villeneuve, obviously. Last week, we talked a little bit about his build-up to Ansandi. He worked mostly in Canadian cinema. And so, before we get to Arrival, we have three movies in between. We had Prisoners, Enemy, and Sicario. I will tell the both of you, the only one that I have seen of those three is Sicario, but it's a movie that I love. And so I wanted to ask, you know, have you seen any of these movies, kind of his Hollywood, the beginning of his Hollywood period, as he's starting to get these Hollywood gigs, getting more acclaim, any of those movies, like, that you care about? I've, I've seen Enemy and Sicario. I'm, I think Sicario is fine. I, 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 I'm not on, I, we can discuss that later. Another time. Uh, Enemy, I think, is very interesting. It's not my favorite movie in the world, but I think he's doing some stylistic things there on a much smaller scale that that are are interesting, even if the movie isn't overall my favorite. I like it. Yeah, I'd agree with that. I um I have seen Prisoner's Enemy and Sicario. Uh, I, I believe Prisoner's was the first movie of his that I saw. Uh, what a brutal watch that is. <laughs> that is not an uplifting film in the slightest. Um, but. Yeah, enjoyed Prisoners. Uh, I checked out Sicario next and was a pretty big fan of that. I had a good time with it. Um, and then Enemy. Whew. Guys, that is, again, not an uplifting film. Um, <laughs> and yeah, I, I don't know. I, I'm really drawn to his work uh, in spite of some of the criticisms or things I feel I don't take away from it. I usually have a good time with his movies no matter what. Would you say that some of the criticism is that his movies are too cold? Yeah, I think a lot of it, if I'm being honest, probably just comes from the, the images on the coloring on his, in his films is, you know, there's a lot of gray, there's a lot of like green and it's it it looks cold. Um, but he's usually getting at something that, you know, is pretty human uh, in his work. And so I, I think it works pretty well. I think that's an interesting contrast, and it definitely comes up in Arrival, and we'll get into it more. Um, I will say, <laughs> it's I, I just think it's funny that, obviously, Prisoners and Enemy, despite their differences, one being this overly long, maybe not overly, but this long drama about a kidnapped child, and the other one being 90 Minutes, still starring Jake Gyllenhaal, <laughs> kind of like Hollywood twisty movie, both like leave you feeling weird, so... Yeah. I'll, I'll fit one in one day when I have 90 minutes to spare, and then I'll build myself up to watching Prisoners someday. I'm sure I'll get around <laughs> to it. But, of course, uh, our Christian and I's uh, future argument about Sicario notwithstanding, 
we do get to Arrival, and he had, each of his movies kind of had some success. Enemy is sort of the least successful of this bunch, not because it's a bad movie, I obviously haven't seen it, can't say anything, but it's the one that didn't get any Oscar nominations, Prisoner picked up one or two, and then Takario picked up a couple, but Arrival is really the one that took him from emerging Hollywood director to Oscar's mainstay. It was nominated for Best Picture, among other awards, and again, is one of his most beloved movies in his career thus far. Christian, you have a pensive look on your face. Am, are you? Is there a thought just waiting to get out? Did I say something you disagree with? or No, you, you didn't say anything I disagree with. It's, I'm, I'm, I'm thinking through his work. I think that, and, and correct me if you disagree, his last three movies were Sicario, Arrival, Blade Runner 2049, in that order. He is one of the few directors who I think gets better when he's working with bigger budgets. And I, you can say that about very few people. For example, Christopher Nolan. I disagree with a lot of people. He, I think he works the best with, when he has constraints on him. He, like, he needs someone to reel him in. This is interesting, where Denis has built himself up to be, to have Dune, a science fiction movie that people do not know because the book is not good. What? <laughs> to be, like, one of the most... Like it, it sought after and anticipated movies of a year with absolutely no prior IP. He made a movie where the aliens look like a giant foots, and that is what and people are like that was amazing. So it's it, it's fascinating. It, it, it honestly like not many people can go through this. Casually mentioning that beloved sci-fi classic Dune is not a good book. <laughs> with the hottest of takes. <laughs> Christian's good for a hot taken episode, and that that may be the one for this round, unless he has some interesting thoughts on Arrival. But I, I like your thought there that he gets better as he works with bigger budgets. Dune will certainly be the apex of, of that big budgetry and the biggest test he has yet in terms of a budget. But like you said, as the budget increased, it seems like the work is increasing in terms of quality as well. And I look forward to seeing at the end of our review how... Arrival stands comparison to Asandi, of course, the other movie that we've discussed here on the show. So, without further ado, just a few more quick thoughts on Arrival, and then we will get into my favorite portion of every episode, of course, the fun facts portion. But, just some quick facts here. Arrival, of course, as I mentioned, 2016, directed by Denis Villeneuve. Uh, the screenplay was written by Eric Heisserer, based on a short story, actually, Story of Your Life by Ted Chung. Um... Produced by Sean Levy, among others, and Sean Levy is more famous for, like, Night at the Museum, Free Guy, these kind of Hollywood movies, and so it's just funny to me, that's why I wanted to bring him up. Alongside Amy Adams, we have Jeremy Renner, Forrest Whitaker, and Michael Stuhlbarg in supporting parts, and then I always like to mention a few of the other below-the-line folks, so shot by Bradford Young, and the music was handled by Johan Johansson, may he rest in peace. I know we had, as we were talking about the movie before, some good thoughts on his music came up, so we'll be sure to touch on that during our review. But we've been turning it over to our guests to lead off with a fun fact for us. So, Nick, it's on you. What kind of fun fact do you have to share for the listeners? Fun fact. Oh, let's see. Well, it's a fact to me. It's a (laughs) fact to my therapist. And he says, words matter and language is important. And I'll be damned if it doesn't seem to Neville and New feels the same way. Amen. Seems that we we did forget one thing in prepping Nick for this episode. <laughs> but words are important. Words are important. <laughs> Language matters. 
And a language, of course, a very key theme of Arrival. <laughs> the main character being a linguist. I don't like what's going on here. <laughs> yeah, so Christian, we'll now turn it to you. What, what kind of fun facts do you have to share for us, maybe more related to Arrival? <laughs> the ending of the movie was changed to not appear like Interstellar. Because apparently they... I, I, the ending of the movie had, like, the aliens giving humanity, like, gifts and technology. And then when Interstellar came out, they were like... Maybe let's not go this route. <laughs> was I, Amy Adams going to find her way through a wormhole into her daughter's bookshelf? And they, that's what they had to change. I think actually it turned out that the true language were the friends we made along the way. Of course. Of course. <laughs> uh, maybe Matthew McConaughey was set for the Jeremy Renner part and they had to just change it all up. Something I found interesting about this movie is obviously a key part of Arrival is they try to learn the aliens' language, and uh, Villeneuve and Heiser actually created a, a fully functioning form of that language. They called it their Logogram Bible while they were putting together the different diagrams that uh, meant different words or phrases or sentences. And ultimately, 71 were featured in the movie, but they had over 100. And the inky designs of the language were created by an artist whose child actually had the drawings from Hannah, the child in this movie. So just went on down the line, all kinds of involvement there in the language and the art. I just thought that was fun. Christian, anything else or should we just get into this review? Just start this, man. <laughs> let's, let's do it. So in terms of an opening question, I'm actually going to take the lead from you, Christian. And, you know, Nick, you mentioned this to us that you... See the aesthetics here, that kind of the cold feeling that Villeneuve is creating, but he's getting at this emotional heart. And the quality of the movie, obviously, is not decreasing as the budget is expanding. And so, last week, we took a look at Alain Sandy and why it announced Villeneuve as a name to watch for Hollywood. Why did he get to start working in Hollywood after that movie? So, I will turn to you guys now and say, what is it about Arrival that propulsed him to the next step in his career. What is it about this movie that made him somebody who can be counted on for a Best Director nomination at the Oscars or have his movies in contention? What was it about Arrival that pushed him to the next echelon in his Hollywood career? You want to start? Sure. Um, I think Amy Adams plays a big role <laughs> in elevating the work um, and, and bringing it to, you know, a bigger audience. You take a... a high concept piece of sci-fi like this and you put Amy Adams and her just subtle facial expressions and looks of wonder and terror and all the things she conveys and I think people connect with it uh I certainly did uh and I and I I hope we get Amy back. <laughs> I miss you, Amy. I hope we get you back soon. Speaking of movies I saw recently, Dear Evan Hansen. Ah. <laughs> was Amy Adams good in Dear Evan Hansen? She is probably the best thing about that movie, to be fair. I know <laughs> that Isn't she always? Yeah. I know not. A lot of people hated that movie. Not many liked her in it. But I will say she is quite good, regardless. Christian. Phenomenal. <laughs> Amy Adams playing a key part here. Anything for you that you think is key to this movie's success in breaking through the Academy's radar. Okay, well, well, here's the thing. Are we talking about breaking... Th we talk about the Oscars a lot. I like the Oscars because I think it, it it's actually a good snapshot into different things that people are interested in. Whether or not you are a filmmaker or a critic, it's like it gives you a variety. Now, I don't always agree with the choices, but who does? Right. But, but Definitely not Amy. Yes. <laughs> But, but the, th the thing here is, like, a breaking... I am surprised that this kind of a story 
got through to a ton of, of, of people, of like non-regular filmmaking people. And, and I love that. And also, it's like not a fast-paced movie. Mm-hmm. It's a slow... It's, it's not really a slow burn. There are definitely other movies that are much slower that he's made. But it, it's, it, it's meticulous in its pace. And I can even cut in to say, normally we do throw out the box office before starting these discussions. This movie was made for a budget of almost $50 million, but it brought back over $200 million. And that meticulous pacing was not a deterrent, <laughs> as people were still buying tickets. Right. And I have to say, I think part of it has to do with with like the visual effects and the scope of this story. Like, he matched the large scope here. The the view of the spaceships is is, is phenomenal. Mm-hmm. It, or, or like, and he really knows how to set up his camera so that it's, it, the camera presents, like, the grandeur. Like, it gives you all wide, like, you see it and then you see the vast terrain behind these spaceships. Even when you're in that little cell that they have to communicate with the aliens with, you see, like, the mist that's enveloped. The visual effects, how this looks, and kind of like the terror. The terror and the amazement and, and the wonder and the confusion in the characters' faces. It's like, yes, this is how actual first contact would look like. And everyone's like, wow, those, that, that, yeah. <laughs> I think it's actually much more of a relatable movie that, than, than other things. Right. That, like, this is a huge, big-budget science fiction drama about aliens coming to Earth, but there is that emotional core that people can connect with. And I can tell you, despite knowing the twists and turns this movie was going to make, having seen it before, I, w- I still teared up at the end. And oh, yeah. <laughs> I mean that even the the beginning is just gut wrenching. Gut wrenching, <laughs> yeah. It, it, I mean, it, it, it's like up. Yeah, <laughs> no, the, yeah. Are. In a few short scenes, it tells you everything you need to know about Doctor Louise Banks, and you see then how what she has to work through the rest of the movie. I mean, it's an incredible opening and and a very. I guess it, it sets the emotional stakes. That's what we can say. I mean, is this Amy Adams' best performance? The Academy wouldn't think so, speaking of the Oscars. <laughs> I was going to bring it up because I don't know about her best performance. Because She's, she's given... great in Catch Me If You Can. <laughs> <laughs> she's so good. She's given so many excellent performances in her career, and I haven't seen a couple of her uh, famous ones. Like, I still haven't seen Junebug, which was her one of her breakthrough performances, first Oscar nomination. But man, the fact that she did not even pick up a nomination this year and probably could have won the award if <laughs> I was voting for it, it is insane. <laughs> And I don't like The Master, and she's phenomenal in The Master. I would rewatch that movie just for her. I also, I just don't want us to forget the 2007 masterpiece, Enchanted. Of course not. We're getting the sequel. We are getting the sequel next year, Disenchanted 2022. I Can you imagine if Amy Adams finally wins Oscar gold for making the Enchanted sequel? Oh, we will take 15. to the streets. <laughs> we will in march. celebration. <laughs> We're getting all sorts of noise complaints. Yeah. The cops are coming to shut us down. We ride for Amy. I mean, the the Amy Adams hive is loud and raucous, and whenever she wins an award, it could be for Hillabilly Elegy my, 2, but whenever she wins an award, people will be excited. My car's name is Amy after her. Amy after her. Well, also because she... Talk about fun facts. <laughs> well, she's she's been in three movies with Christian Bale and been Oscar nominated for all three, so I wanted to be Christian and Amy. Ah. Uh. 
There you go. Easy. Easy. A- Amy Adams Blend of the Month. We it's, should do it. Christian. There's levels to it. <laughs> <laughs> but she, I mean, she is sincerely incredible. And Nick, I like that you point out how she is so key to this movie. And I think in, in some respects, obviously for so many of these parts, you have so many talented actors and you can kind of, you can slot people in and it would be different, but you could still get good performances out of these incredibly talented actors. But this feels like something where it was the perfect person for this movie. Whether it is those early scenes with her daughter, and we, I mean, obviously the beginning of this movie opens with Dr. Louise Banks and her daughter, Hannah. We see a few flashes from Hannah's life, ultimately with her dying from a disease that is unspecified when she's probably 18 or something like that, a teenager. And the way that we see Adams take the character from those early scenes through the the anxiety and the terror of first contact to being forced into connecting with them, and then the journey she goes on with these aliens who she can barely communicate with while also building a relationship with Jeremy Renner's character. It's just a phenomenal work. Okay, I think it's also worth mentioning... She, I I mean, we've talked about she's like a language specialist. She knows basically every language known to mankind. She's trying to decipher the alien language. The scene where she takes that whiteboard and starts to write down, it's like, what is your purpose on Earth? And walks us through why she's trying to understand it. I'm like, look, I get it. I'm I'm bilingual. I also know French. I I don't, I I, I studied languages for years. I don't really care about them. And yet, I have raptured by how much she like she makes me care yes this movie cares and also look i love blade runner 2049 there's blade runner 2049 is a very cold like uh, it's a very dark movie and and, uh, what i'm why i'm saying that is arrival might be one of his most uplifting hopeful movies like, he's basically saying there is hope for humanity, there is hope for us to come together, there is hope for us to look at our past and be able to use that to influence our future and look to our future to influence our present. I did not expect, looking at all of this, I did not expect him to take up a project like that. Right. and You, you see pieces of it in a movie like Ensemble, which we talked a lot about the, the human core of that movie, and despite this huge international story spanning generations of a family in the past and the present it's all about the characters and the emotional journey that these people are going on you know learning the mother's story and the trauma that she experienced and lived through and her that produced her children and how they then have to take on that knowledge and and work through it and I haven't seen Prisoners, but obviously you have a movie that is dealing with family, fathers and daughters. I haven't seen Enemy, so maybe you two can speak to that. Uh, but even Sicario, the reason Sicario works is you have this amazing Emily Blunt performance at the middle of the, the center of the movie that is the emotional core in the midst of this murky, morally questionable situation with government operatives and the cartel. And so this is a running theme of his work. He's very good at directing women. It, 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 right. it, it's it's impressive, honestly, like that so many of his films have a woman at the center who can carry that whole thing. He's he's struck a good balance of having male-led films and female-led films, obviously. Yeah, I, re- I read that Amy Adams was his first choice for the role uh, and that she accepted the role within 24 hours of, of getting the script and the offer. Um, so whether or not, you know, that's true or that's just, you know, post-hype press fodder. Right. Um, it is fascinating. He's got an eye for he's got an eye for who to cast in his films. 
to make them work. And like I said, she's a big part of why you're invested throughout this kind of weird pacing of the film where we're, it's not, like you said, it's not necessarily slow, but we're getting little pieces of information at a time enough to propel you to the next information reveal. Um, but, okay, I, I want to touch on information reveal, but before that, I do kind of want to say, what were your all's thoughts on the visuals? I think that the visual, like, I would walk, if, I, I'm looking, I, I, I think, what did I, I, in, in our Facebook message group, I said, watching Arrival, Dune is not allowed to not be awesome. <laughs> <laughs> I, I, I mean, I can't even imagine leaving that theater because, like, it, it's got to be, bro, I saw a giant, like, seven-fingered foot. And it was great. <laughs> yeah. No, absolutely. I was going to say, I, I mean, the first 20 minutes or so on my rewatch, um, I found myself thinking, God, you know, this is... This looks a little dull. This is, like you were saying, it's kind of cold. I was like, I don't remember this as, as, as the visual on screen. And then we get to that first shot of the ship with the mist rolling over the hilltops. And I was like, oh, here we go. Like, it's go time. Um, and yeah, the, I mean, the scale of this is really important to just leaving you kind of floored and feeling tiny. That, I mean, that shot of them lifting up into the ship the first time, and you can only see the screen up, to, the uh, the glass up top, and then, of course, the gravity reveal. It's just all lending itself to, to taking you somewhere you don't expect to go, necessarily. I, I mean, the only thing I would disagree with what you just said is that I think the beginning of this movie actually looks really good. <laughs> and I would say this whole movie looks really good. And sometimes I think... I've brought this up before, but obviously Christian and myself are big fans of the MCU. We, we've occasionally talked about Marvel movies on the show, especially as they've you know, appeared over you know top five and top ten lists over the years. And for as much as I love the MCU, one of the main criticisms against them is how plain they look. Yeah. And a lot of the appeal of the MCU is, of course, you know the characters and the, the effects and kind of crazy action that's going on. And so when you get to watch a movie like Arrival. I I feel like I am just so used to <laughs> mediocre visuals that <laughs> these kinds of movies blow me away. And something I, I picked up, I guess picked up on watching these kind of movies back to back here these weeks is the use of shadows in Villeneuve's films. His lighting is always on point, which is a small detail sometimes. And it's not something that always gets a lot of, get gets talked about too much. But the way that he lights his scenes, I think it just makes the rest of the movie look so beautiful. Whether they are sitting in this crowded military temporary base hunched in front of a computer those scenes look so much more beautiful than they do in something like the mcu where it's a lot of plain bland flat tony stark is working on a computer <laughs> style backgrounds and i think the opening of this movie in particular sets up kind of where this movie is going to go with the, the cool blues and the grays and the shadows we know that this is not going to be a peppy big old action movie <laughs> with aliens right from the get-go before there's even aliens on screen all right let um I'm hijacking this from you, so if you want to go somewhere, please do. I, there, there's just something important that I want to get to in the discussion. Christian, get to it. It's important. Cool. Uh, oh, well, first off, let me give by saying we may speak about Jeremy Renner, and we understand that he's kind of problematic to speak on now. <laughs> so I do want to give note to that. Uh, also, um, this movie... What did Jeremy Renner do? Run me through every single thing. I mean, we all remember the Jeremy Renner app. <laughs> that might take, yes, that might take up the rest of the podcast. Yeah, you know how your favorite, you know, Avengers Jeremy Renner? 
I want to state on the record that is not true. <laughs> that could that is so not true. It could not be less true. But continue. Um, this movie has a lot of twists and turns, yeah. and, and there's some use of flashbacks. I'm going to put flashbacks in quotes for a reason that we will spoil in, in, in the future. Uh, but it's like the first half hour, I don't know why I'm saying half hour, the first hour is very like building up, learning about the aliens, and then the second hour, it's like shit hits the fan. <laughs> And I'm, I'm going to say this, and, and it's not a complaint. It's just something that I noticed. The second hour is really sloppy. It, it's, like, jarring in the use of, like, timeline that we're in. And the ship sends a capsule to Amy Adams for her to get into it. I'm like, what's going sure on? Sure does. <laughs> what's going on? And then, like, Abbott dies. Or was it Costello? Uh, it's Abbott. Abbott dies, and I'm like, why did you kill off Abbott? Spoiler warning, Christian. <laughs> uh, no one cared about Abbott. Everyone only cared about Costello. <laughs> it's true. I am a big Costello guy, so. <laughs> and, 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 and so I'm I'm wanting to know, and we should get into the plot probably as we discuss this, what are y'all's thoughts just on, like, the story and how it, like, goes from this very <sighs> tranquil thing into like a let's go 250 miles per hour christian you left out a very key detail in your assessment of the structure in this movie and that is there is the first hour and then there's the second like 56 minutes and in between that there's a four minute mini documentary of jeremy renner voiceover (laughs) (laughs) all about the heptapods which one thing i will say about this movie is i actually love the way that they deliver exposition and so that little mini podcast that renner does i loved it ian donnelly professor ian donnelly he just starts going into all the things i'm learning about the heptapods and i think what's interesting is that we could have had three hours of arrival i would have been cool with that where the middle hour is everything that they learn in that four minutes but which is fascinating I'm yes. gonna say so I, I am not smart enough to know how well the linguistic aspects of this movie hold up in a in a factual sense, right? right. It doesn't matter. But I'll be damned if it's not beautiful to watch. Amen. It is. It, it sounds beautiful. It m- connects you to the film. It makes you want to know where it's going. It's just good. Be- okay, so the a- the aliens communicate through uses of pictures. For everyone who is listening, if you haven't se- if you haven't seen Arrival, just go go yeah. watch Arrival. Oh, the podcast. My go listen. It's on but, Hulu. But there's one line that he says that's fascinating to me because, like, they communicate in a... Um, it, it looks like a circle. There's just, like, a little space in the middle, and they, it takes them, like, 10 seconds to produce this circle. It's a full, complex sentence. Like, it's as though humans would take write a sentence with both hands and start at either end and end exactly where they needed to because you would need to know exactly what you're going to say before you say it and how much space each word would take out. And that line, like killed me and i don't even know why but understanding the complexity of this life form that isn't real (laughs) i will say the the heptapods are the aliens and they are one of the best things about this movie and so credit to ted chang who's the author of the short story as well as villeneuve for bringing them to life but we've seen so many different kinds of aliens and yet they feel so unique in this movie not just because of their language they they speak in 
to the human ear, obviously, these bizarre tones that sound like trains rolling by or some kind of loud horn going off. But the, they produce these circular graphics that function as sentences. And the, the aliens, as they are visually conceived, is fascinating. And how they communicate is amazing. And obviously, of course, what they end up imparting upon humanity also is, is beautiful, too. But they, I mean, they are just an incredible piece of this movie. And this is one of the best... Aliens visiting Earth movies ever made, probably, and it's one of the least action-oriented. Like Cloverfield. <laughs> <laughs> exactly, exactly like Cloverfield. Where is Cloverfield's Oscar? <laughs> Can we get the found footage arrival? <laughs> I don't want to watch that. I kind of want to watch that. Imagine arrival, except the whole time it's just Amy Adams vlogging her process. <laughs> <laughs> Jeremy Renner's podcast is just the uh, yeah know. yeah Renner's got the pod going. You have to download it on the Jeremy Renner app. You know that it got shut down because too many people were creating fake accounts saying that they were Jeremy Renner. <laughs> <laughs> truly, truly a marketing effort for the history books. And the funny thing about Renner in this movie is, I really liked it at the beginning. I really liked the cast him. I'm like, man, he's he's such a good fit for this. He's gonna he you believe him as a scientist and a professor, but kind of snarky, brings the wit, and then he just sort of fades into the background for a significant portion of God, this movie. Yeah, I mean, I gotta tell you, th- there is nothing that works for me less in this movie than the interactions between Amy Adams and Jeremy Renner. There's that one <laughs> sequence where they're just sitting, you know, on the hill, like talking to each other, sitting up against the rocks. I think. And they're trying to have, like, you know, some mild, flirtatious, get-to-know-you conversation. And I just was like, this is, this is bad. This is not good. And it's a mo- it's surrounded by so much good. And so it stands out. It's just got this, like, I don't know, this cheesy, not realistic, which I know, galaxy brain, something being realistic in this sci-fi film. Right. But... If, if your romance subplot isn't holding up and I'm able to get behind, you know, the arrival of 12 ships speaking a foreign language from, spoiler alert, 3,000 years in the future, I don't know that we needed so much of that meandering banter in the middle. The romance is not invested in too much. Which is good. Yeah, I would, I would say, yes. But, but also, I mean... And this isn't, I, I don't, I, I didn't think he was bad. I don't really think that there were bad performances here. And what's funny, though, is that each performance still paled in comparison to Amy Yes. Else. I will say, while we bring up the performances, I love Forrest Whitaker in this I movie. I him as well. Yes. Only because his entire role is about keeping the audience up with what's going on. So he's the guy who has to ask, wait. What does this mean? He is and exposition. And then she explains. There's so many scenes where it's so clear that he just exists to be like, Amy, exposit for us. And she says, I will. And then explain okay. some linguistic concept. There's a fun fact about that. Apparently, when um, Eric Heiserer. Heiserer. Love my writers. When Eric Heiserer was writing the script, he was writing too many scenes of like Amy Adams teaching the aliens language that Denis Villeneuve was like, why do we need this? That he and he explained the same way that Amy Adams explained to um, the others. Like you need them to have vocabulary so that they know like what it means to ask them an actual question for when that scene hits. And then he's like, "Cool, cut that. Put what you just said in the movie." And he did, and it works. And it, <laughs> it works. It really does. Like you said, that scene where she, where he, 
Whitaker plays, you know, the army man who's trying to get to the bottom of it all. And he says, why can't we just ask them what their purpose is? And then she goes into this mini lecture, essentially, because she is a professor, about why we can't just ask them a question like that. And it's, it is an incredible unpacking of the linguistics behind that question that for me being a dumb person i had no idea you know and and she makes me that being a dumb so <laughs> compelling because she's amy adams and she's amazing it, it works should we should we get into the spoiler like the major spoiler yes we should so at this point we've we've had a couple minor spoiler alerts along the way but if you've not yet watched arrival we would sincerely encourage you to pause Go watch it and then come back because we're about to discuss the ending of the movie and there are a couple big reveals that are important so we can talk about that and sort of the way the themes wrap up. So here's your final warning. Pause. Okay. Christian, can you briefly explain the ending of this movie and kind of how things resolve? So we've we've talked a bit about the beginning so far. The beginning shows Amy Adams with a child and this child, uh, we presume to be her daughter, is going is like growing up gets a terminal disease we see her die we see amy adams torn and then the movie begins with her being sent to the aliens we assume that amy adams is doing this like out of grief or that grief has enveloped her and that is why like even the beginning scene of her alone in her like big house we're like oh it's because you know she her daughter's dead she's still dealing with it that she's a grief-stricken mother we then end up learning very jarringly that she doesn't know who this daughter is and those are actually premonitions or like flash forwards to what is going to be in her future so she has not yet had this girl and yet she's seeing like visions about that the reason for that is when you start learning the aliens' language that they end up teaching the humans at the same time that we teach them our language, you, you get to see the future because time does not work linearly. Um, wow, that's really weird what I just said. <laughs> yeah, they bring up the concept of the Sapper-Whorf uh, hypothesis, I yes. think, yeah. which is this concept that your brain functions the same way as your language. And so... Uh, a person who grows up speaking English might think about the world a little bit differently than somebody who grows up speaking Mandarin because of the ways that their language has shaped their thinking. And so, obviously, for an alien race that that produces complex thoughts in mere seconds and has this circular form of writing and, and communicates non-verbally, th this is just how they think. And they're able to see basically in 4D. Like, they, they do not see time linearly. They approach it a whole different way. So what, I mean, what did you all think about that reveal? In On Sunday, we talked about that giant twist, which, I, I, I mean, I, I think was a big, important thing in whether or not you liked that movie. Here, I don't really think you need to care about the reveal. And on a second watch, it didn't hit me as much as it did before, but I didn't need it to. So I don't know about you all. Sure, yeah, I, I mean, the f I remember the first time watching this through being floored by the twist, being floored by the reveal. Um, because, I mean, it's so integral to the structure of the film. We start with our flash-forward sequences, and she says, I believe, uh, something about, I used to think this was the beginning of your story. It's the very first line um, of the movie, yeah. and I wrote it down, too. Yeah, it, it, <laughs> and... and and on second watch, all of those moments that you think are flashback sequences that we get as Amy's interacting with the aliens and the visions are coming to her, 
they take on, you know, a whole new meaning that second time around. And so, like you said, the reveal of the twist isn't uh, necessarily as impactful the second time around. But I still think it works. I, I mean, I'm honestly going to tell you, knowing what was coming, but not having seen this movie in a few years, I was actually hit pretty hard by the ending. And I think it's not just because I... I knew that the daughter was not born yet and she would die someday, but I think why this movie is so successful is it actually got me thinking about just the human implications of Hannah, who's the daughter, of Hannah's life. And many sci-fi movies get sort of lost in the spectacle and it just becomes about, hey, aliens, Earth, we're doing you know action. But Arrival is about humans and it's about humanity. And I felt emotional. I mentioned I teared up thinking about not just the thought process of, of already knowing that your child is going to die, but knowing you would have to make the decision to have a child knowing they're going to die. Knowing that your husband is going to leave you when you tell him that you know this. Knowing that you're never going to be able to fully communicate to her that you know she's going to die and having to support her through her illness until she dies. And still going through that choice to be able to experience this person's life, this person who, no matter how short their life was, mattered and, and added value to the world. And that's what it got me thinking about. And that's why I felt so emotional. And that is something that I think is so beautiful about Arrival. And it's a very messy hope because there is some optimism, like you said earlier, Christian. There is, this is uplifting. There is hope. But it is a measured hope. It's not blind optimism. It's knowing that for human progress and growth together, there, of course, is sacrifice and loss. And there's a character we haven't brought up at all, General Shang, who is the leader of the Chinese army. And we mention him a couple times throughout the movie. He is leading sort of China's response to this and ultimately decides he's going to launch a missile at the ship and then some countries join him. And ultimately, we see one of these flash-forward sequences where Louise meets him later on at a banquet and he says, "Thank, I wanted to come here personally to meet you. Thank you, because obviously you saved us. And I only know this because you, you spoke my wife's last words to me. You knowing that he too had been through this loss and we think he's just some hard military general and yet even he has been touched by loss and, and that's what motivates his sudden change. And I think that that is so expertly weaved into this movie and it's why it's so resonant with me. Okay. Um, did any of, have any of you seen Weathering with you? Have any of you seen Cabin in the Woods? Yes. No. Sorry. Okay. Never mind then, Scott. <laughs> no, I, I and, and the reason I'm going to bring up Cabin in the Woods then is there's a beauty in Cabin in the Woods where the ends do not justify the means. No. There we go. Yeah. And, and I think that that is... I, I spoiled nothing, Scott. <laughs> I, know. I made, I made a ear, fingers in the ears gesture, folks. <laughs> but he, here's the thing that I think I took away from the first time I watched Arrival. She could decide not to have this daughter, but in not in, in deciding that, she would also take away the joy that she is seeing in that life, and she would rather face that heartbreak than not have it experienced in the first place. So the it, it's like the beauty of that moment, kind of like just it, it was great. It knocked it, me over, yeah. It's 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 like the beauty of humanity and and uh, wow like there's it, it's just so nice so it, amongst everything else something that's you walk out of this thinking that was a great movie and also I feel good inside absolutely yeah. 
Uh, Arrival is the kind of movie that even despite everything that's gone on in our world, and obviously the world is in a, a dark place right now. It has been for some time. Obviously, the world probably always has been and always will be. But it's movies like this that that still give me hope and help me find find faith in my fellow man. You didn't find hope after you watched Hereditary. <laughs> I ton of hope after Hereditary, Christian. Not gonna, I'm gonna be real. But in, in a weird sort of way, this movie makes me think about Ad Astra, speaking of movies that we've seen. Christian, I know you saw this movie. Nick, have you seen Ad Astra? I have also seen Ad Astra. It's a movie that a lot of people did not like, but I loved that movie. I was uh, part of the few of the proud who stood up for Brad, uh, Brad Pitt's Daddy Issues in Space. But I think the ending of that movie as well, in, in terms of humans and their search for extraterrestrial life, where we go looking for them in that movie as opposed to the other way around, and where that movie ends too, teaches us a lesson about humanity. And I really enjoy these kinds of sci-fi movies, ones that are less focused on action and more focused on drama and the human experience, although we're going on these crazy adventures. I guess that movie's more of an adventure than this one, but I, I just appreciate that when directors are able to take these very human concepts and apply them to these big sci-fi adventures. If Denis Villeneuve could direct a movie about one of the existing mcu heroes who should it be what so we cannot introduce a new comic book character no it has to be somebody who's already in the mcu now we get a sequel yes directed by the evil new who is it it's grouped <laughs> <laughs> it's obviously grouped you're telling me you wouldn't take 120 minutes of Denis Villeneuve directed group i would Oh I'd take it gosh. in a heartbeat. <laughs> uh, I don't know how to follow up on that one. But my answer will be the Hulk. The Hulk. I have not seen the Ang Lee Hulk, but I know it has its... It had many detractors at the time, but it has its fans now for the more cerebral take <laughs> on the Incredible Hulk. And the MCU version of that movie is quite bad. And so I would appreciate a director who is able to combine sci-fi with this these emotional core this humanity despite his cold visual said, approach yeah, we just said he's a very cold director normally exactly but he still has these uplifting emotional cores and so i would see, i would like to see him apply that to the hulk because we'll we need a good hulk movie maybe someday i think he could do an interesting job there i think it would be captain marvel you get your strong female lead you get a different world you get sci-fi out the wazoo as much as he wants of it or he could set it on earth I think he, I, I didn't, I'm not really a fan of the first movie. I think it's fine. But, um, I, I think it's interesting. I like this exercise into like, what, <laughs> what can he do? <laughs> and he, he's someone, you talked about this a little bit last week, Christian, when we compared Denis to Christopher Nolan with Keenan, talking about how Christopher Nolan and Denis Villeneuve both have worked in original stories and adaptations and I think, obviously, he has had success with both. Arrival is adapted from a short story. And I think it would be interesting to see him take on a comic book property. Although, I think many people might hate us for that because of their growing resistance to superhero dominance. But if it's great directors who want to make superhero movies, you know, I'm not going to complain. So... Looking at Arrival, I know we've touched on the performances, the visuals, sort of the thematic resonance. We did briefly bring up the music. I know I wanted to touch briefly You're on so that. You're so good. So good. You're so good. Yeah, Johan Johansson lived too short a life, but he did leave behind many, many great film scores, and Arrival is certainly among them. Nick, as a musician, 
Oh gosh. <laughs> what is your take on the score? I love this score. It's it's got this brooding, dark, droning quality to it um, that is really highlighted in the kind of the moments of distress in this movie and the moments of panic. Um, it it consumes the the entire soundscape when you have these like really really stressful things happening on screen be it the the uh again spoiler alert explosion in the spaceship um or even you know amy adams running across campus as the world panics at the unknown we've just got these really really great moments where the score takes over and becomes the main character um and it's able to support the film in all of the other spots which is you know i mean the sign of a, a great composer and uh a, like a connection to the work. Would you ever do a score for a movie? I mean, I mean, yes, I would have to do a lot more work. Uh, <laughs> to, Christian's to, got a few scripts in yeah, the process no, exactly. right now, which no, I think is where yeah. this is going. No, absolutely. I mean, here's the thing. It is, it is really an art uh, in and of itself within music to be able to, uh, you know, add to these scenes without distracting from from what's going on on screen. I think uh, Mika Levy, who has done uh, quite a few scores at this point, she did the Zola score recently. Um, she also did the score from that film Monos from a few years ago. Probably my favorite uh, film composer around at the moment. Um, and so I hear, you know, someone that does what they do, and... Uh, and it's pretty amazing and uh, pretty intimidating as well. So I'd love to do a score. I need to put in a little bit more work first. I, and, and, and another scene that comes up that, that I think is incredible and makes me more impressed with what they did with this movie. When the spaceships go from being vertical to turning on their side. Like, here's the thing. Geometric orientation is not something that interests me currently as a geometry teacher. <laughs> And yet, it, it, it's almost like the world is ending when we see that. Um, we, like, I, I don't know. Some people refer to this as an apocalypse movie. I, that scene makes me think this, this is an apocalypse movie. It's like, the world is ending. <laughs> Aliens will kill us. You're right. I, yeah, I, I would just... I don't have too much more to say on the music. I, but I would say, it, it is that beautiful balance. I think the, th the opening theme to this movie, it's on the soundtrack, it's just called Arrival, I think is really beautiful. And of course, it comes up a couple times throughout the movie, but you also get those moments of ratcheting up the tension, working in concert with what's happening on screen. It is a really successful score. I wanted to make sure we could touch on it since we did bring it up earlier. We talked about most of what is good about this movie. A couple things that maybe we don't like as well, which we got to be fair. So anything else that we want to mention on Arrival before we wrap up our discussion? I, I just have to say, there's a, there's a moment towards the end of this film where all the pieces are being revealed and, and we're seeing, you know, Amy Adams' life with her daughter play out in a more detailed way. And then we see, oh, Jamie Renner and Amy Adams will, will come together. And there's there's a moment where we get a cut and Jeremy Renner is hugging Amy Adams. And he says, do you want to make a baby? <laughs> and I laughed out oh loud. God. And I said, Nick. I can't believe you've done this. <laughs> it was jarring. It was a more surprising line reading than any of the twists in the film. <laughs> um, and so I just would be remiss if we got through the podcast without me mentioning that absolute insane line just <laughs> tossed in here at the end of this 
you know, heartbreaking, beautiful, touching moment, we just get Jeremy Renner, do you want to have a, do you want to make a baby? The worst thing about that line is that there's a moment where they are hugging, we see it's a flash forward, yes. they're hugging, but they're also hugging at present. And so for a very real second, do you think, did he just ask her that at this moment? No, it is, it's. It is genuinely bizarre how they cut that sequence. Yeah, that's is, like the only misstep in no, terms of the, how they cut these absolutely. things together. It is, it is genuinely shocking. Okay. <laughs> so the one thing for me, here's the thing. Um, I, okay. This is going to, this is really bad. I don't care. Worse than do you want to make a baby or? In, in, in movies. I'm not the biggest fan of sick children. And so, like, the beginning... Christian scene... hates sick children, <laughs> period, post. Yeah, published podcast. And so, like, in the beginning when we see the child, like, go through terminal illness, I'm like, okay. And then later, when Amy Adams is, like, with the heptopods, and she's like, who is this child? And I'm like, yeah, who is <laughs> Just <laughs> laughing off dying children. <laughs> laughing off dying children. You know Confusing flashes of memory. <laughs> I, I, like, I don't know who Listen, she Christian, is. Listen, your laughs say it all. <laughs> I just did not. I, I didn't know. And, 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 and the child isn't really giving her line readings a lot of emotion. Like when she asks Amy, like... Hey, what's that sciencey word? When like kind of like a, when two people get something out of it, and she's like, "If you want science, ask your dad." Never mind. I'm like, girl, <laughs> what is it? It was it, it, it was not the best. This was not the best performance from I, Hannah. I <laughs> noticed nothing about Hannah, so I don't know where this is coming Zero from. Zero thoughts about sweet Hannah. <laughs> uh, there's a moment early on in the film. We're probably about twenty minutes in when you know she's arriving to the base camp for the first time. And they're asking her and Jeremy Renner, Jeremy Renner a series of, you know, questions to make sure that they're fit for, for doing their jobs. And uh, at one point they go, pregnant? She goes, no. I said, good foreshadowing, everyone. Great job. Real, real subtle with this one. Yeah. Pregnant? No. <laughs> okay. The only, thing, the only thing I'll add about Arrival is I think... Just in, obviously, in terms of like why we do this show, like Christian and I love movies. Nick loves movies. Why, why do we want to talk about movies? And I think it's because you get to discuss great movies like Arrival, and Arrival's specifically an amazing example of something that works so well because it's a movie. And so many movies these days, I mean, movies have been bland forever. There's always been bad movies, but Arrival is an amazing example of a movie that is an excellent use of the cinematic form. And I. I relished in that enjoying a good movie like this because even though it is based on a short story you see what can be done that it that just simple written word can't do or that a, a painting can't do and the way that arrival uses these flashes we think they're flashbacks and then they're flash forwards uh the way that they use visual effects and create these creatures and this language and that all of these things are of course working together centered around this amy adams performance i think arrival is just an amazing example of a an excellent use of the form of, of just art as a movie and it just i got fired up just thinking about this movie and i have sincerely enjoyed discussing it with the two of you sounds like we would all recommend this pretty heartily to the listeners if they have not yet had a chance to see it and survive the spoiler warning. <laughs> j j just for the, do you want to make a baby scene alone? <laughs> <laughs> of course. 
this laugh is. out loud comedy arrival. <laughs> I, 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 I'm like, look, I'm normally the one who wants to cut the podcast short. I understand that. I want to say one last thing. Do it. Um, all three of us listen to the Big Picture podcast. And um, you're not caught up. Yes, I am. You are? Okay, cool. So you listen to the superhero uh, sequels uh, one. All right, when they were like, The Dark Knight broke Hollywood. Because, like, we didn't know if the Academy should... They didn't know if they should recognize the comic book movie. Now, look, I love The Dark Knight. I love what it did in expanding the genre. They nominated the director of a science fiction film for Best Director at the Oscars. And here's the thing. I think Arrival only spelled good things for the industry. And I look forward to Dune, not just because I look forward to Dune in Denis Villeneuve. I look forward to people saying, someone took previous IP and made a movie where there are giant sandworms and did something awesome with it. And if if I don't like Dune, I will say I do not think this deserves anything. But I love that Denis Villeneuve is not just respected, cannot just open something up in forms that are not comic booky, but that he's kind of a nerd. <laughs> and that's great and that's awesome and I'm, I'm keep 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 doing you man good job Denny. keep doing you you know i'm not sure what you mean when you mentioned they they specifically nominated this science fiction movie because george lucas got nominated for best director all the way back in 1977 <laughs> yes i'm just saying correct but i i know what you Time, mean i'm just sassing you we, we are not in 1977 this, <laughs> this, this is, is true this is these are different times these are different times and i know what you mean in that uh, a movie like the dark knight changed the way the Oscars worked, quite literally. It had a huge impact on the Academy. And now, uh, Arrival, and certainly would have been a worthy nomination, uh, regardless of if it was five or the expanded, you know, variable amount. And looking at some of the movies that were nominated that year, I don't think all of them deserved an Oscar nomination. Although this was the Moonlight and La La Land year, two movies that I think are Manchester by the Sea. Manchester by the Sea. But even so, I, I think Arrival would have fit among the bunch of the best of the year, as I think now it's a movie that not only is one of the best of that year but it has continued to age well and it's one of the from the movies that i have seen one of the better movies of the last decade or the previous decade i should say so folks that is arrival like we said strong recommendation from all three of us if you have not seen it it is streaming on hulu if you are a hulu user and of course rentable pretty much anywhere you would like to rent a movie uh, at this point we will say nick Thank you so much for joining us. First appearance on the Cinema Drip podcast. We did mention that you are a musician, so go ahead, plug plug your stuff. Definitely want the listeners to check it out. Absolutely. Well, thank you for having me. Um, yeah, you can stream my music, you know, anywhere you listen to music at Nick Viner. Um, you have a show coming up. I do have a show coming up, yeah. If you're going to be in Los Angeles on November 9th, uh, you can come to Adults Only, and it is for adults only uh but i will be playing a show there and yeah you're also opening with someone yes dates are tentative so we'll i'll hold off letting y'all know about that but i am opening we almost got to break some news on the cinema drip (laughs) podcast (laughs) um but yeah check it out nick your uh most successful song thus far at least on spotify is mood swing indeed correct so over a million streams there we got we got a legit rising star (laughs) on this show uh, so do check out Nick's music for any of our LA listeners. Keep an eye out November 9th at Which one of our guests has not been legit? <laughs> I'm not gonna throw shade. Draw lines in the sand now. Go. I love our guests. <laughs> <laughs> 
Uh, again, folks, that is our show. If you've reached this point in the episode, thank you so much for listening. We sincerely appreciate it. Uh, there are a few things that you can do to support the show. Number one, leave us a rating and a review on Apple Podcasts. Uh, not only do we appreciate the reviews as it helps us grow there, but we love to shout out our reviews on the show. So if you want to get featured, leave a review. You need to say what we're doing next week. I will say what we're doing next week. Never okay. fear. Okay. I'll get to it. I'll okay. get to it. You also can please, would you, subscribe wherever you get your podcasts, whether that would be Apple, Spotify, or elsewhere. We appreciate the subscriptions as it helps us grow and reach new listeners. Uh, we also would appreciate your emails. So send us something, whether it be feedback or insults or commentary, or, you know, if you just want to send us a, a long... Ask Nick to play a song live. Yeah, ask Nick to play a song live. The Cinema Drip Podcast, we'll, we'll get a score for the podcast. Nick can just sit and play in the background while we talk about movies. It'll be great. If you want to hear Nick do that, send us an email at cinemadrippodcast at gmail.com. We do take those emails seriously and have used feedback from them in episodes of the show, so we sincerely appreciate any thoughts that you would have for us. You also can follow Christian and myself on social media. We are both on Letterboxd, where we are rating and reviewing the things that Nick we're watching. Nick is as well. Nick is as you well. also find me on Letterboxd, yes. Perfect. And we finally bullied Keenan Culler enough. He is on Letterboxd now, folks. So He's seen a total of 16 movies in his life. He has. He, he's working on, on building up his repertoire there. But uh, I, I was on him for a while, so I'm proud of that one. We'd love it if you would either give us a follow or... Just comment our our reviews, whatever it would be. We'd love to engage with you there. You can also follow the show and myself on Twitter and Christian on Instagram. Nick, any social medias? You can follow me on Instagram. Okay, there you go. If you've reached this point in the show, of course, we do have to tell you what's coming up next week. So Denis Villeneuve, Blend of the Month, will march on. And Christian, it's the big one. We're going to see Dune. And we're going to talk about it here on the podcast. I think Dune comes out the same day as The French Dispatch. Really? I th- I'm sorry. I think that's funny. <laughs> <laughs> Big day for the movie. Double feature? <laughs> I, I say I won't. But yes, Christian and I will be dropping a hot and spicy Dune episode next week. Not next week, Friday. I'm sorry. I need some time <laughs> to produce this show. Yes. But also, we are living in an age where we have No Time to Die in theaters. Halloween Kills comes out this week. The Last Duel comes out this week. Next week, we will have The French Dispatch and Dune. And I think Last Night in Soho comes out either next week or the week after. That might be a November release. But with all these movies that got pushed due to COVID, like, it's just going to be... it's This is going to be challenging to get everything. And it's the best kind of problem. So, folks, Dune episode coming in hot. You can, of course, catch it on HBO Max if you need to stay indoors, but uh, we would recommend that you see that in a theater on a massive screen if you Remember can. Remember that it's not the full story. And yes, it's Remember it is one. only like 200 or something pages of the book. We'll talk about it next week, I am sure. Thank you so much for listening, folks. Check out Nick's music, and this has been the Cinema Drip Podcast. <laughs>